Father, we thank you. We thank you as we worship you, as we honor you, Lord God. As we surrender before you, Father God, we give you access, Lord, into our lives, Father, to work within us, to minister to us today. And Lord, we just stay surrendered today. We stay in that place of consecration, even through the word and through the rest of this service, Lord God. We connect via surrender today, Lord God. And Lord, we thank you that, Lord, we're able to, to stand today, Lord God, knowing that we're connected, Lord, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Just stay there. I really felt to say that. There's some of you who are in a bit of a bit of a, a quandary. There's a bit of distress going on. And the Lord's saying, just stay, stay in surrender. Stay in surrender. You know, you may not have your hands up, but in your heart you do. It's just that, Lord, I just surrender this to you. It might be a problem. It could be an adversity that's, you know, acute to your situation. I'm not sure. But the Lord's saying, surrender it, you know, and surrender yourself. And you watch. He'll, he'll work his work. Sometimes he's just waiting for us to give up on ourselves, you know, give up on what we can do. You know, he's waiting for us to sort of just lay it all down and say, Lord, you know, I can't do this. And when we do, he does it. I, I, I might have shared this before, but I, I remember uh, um, years ago, in the, probably would have been in the 90s somewhere, going to a conference and the pastor uh, who was there, he talked about this moment in the service where the Lord, when the Lord said to him, I want you to, to go and stand at the, at, the, you know, at the back of the stage and I want you to just turn toward it and just raise your hands and, you know, and he said when he did, it's like the Spirit of God broke out in that service and just, you know, things started to happen and people started getting healed. And, and he, he wanted to know, you know, afterwards he went to the Lord in prayer and he said, Lord, why did you get me to go and stand up and just stand against the wall and put my hands up? He says, and the Lord spoke to him and said, I just wanted to get you out of the way. You've got to be ready for that, you know, where the Lord just wants to get you out of the way so he can do what he wants to do. And, uh, you know, there's a, 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 obviously a moment when he realized that, you know, maybe he was in the way of what God was doing. And that's a, that's a humbling moment too for us all, isn't it? We realize that, you know, our efforts and our strength and, and what we can bring and, you know, who we are and all that is not what God needs. He just needs our surrender. I remember that's what it was like when I first got saved, when I first came to Jesus and, and uh, I, you know, I had that, that realisation that if he could do something in my life, it was just going to require that I just give him the room to do it. Amen. And uh, that's a good place to be and we can go to that place even as, you know, mature Christians and still find that place of surrender, that place of consecration and, and uh, hand things over to him and say, Lord, um, I need you. And I'm going to get out of the way for you. I want some of you just to stay in that place because some of you need to stay there. Just even through this service, I believe. Uh, just to stay in that place of surrender and, and uh, not pick it up again and uh, go away unsurrendered. But just stay there because God's going to do something with it this morning. Amen? Amen. So um, we're, we're uh, continuing with the series this morning and I feel like I'm missing something. I know what I, here it is. And we're continuing with the series this morning, and of course, uh, it's the Faith Works series, and uh, I like this series. 
I think uh, Pastor Jess must have been reading from my notes because Roundup is in here, uh, number one. Uh, I know there was something else in there as well. I thought, I've been reading my notes, you know. So, but um, we've been seeing that as a topic title, it should have us all recognising the need to examine our own faith and check that it works. Um, and as we've been saying, check that we have our faith out there working on our behalf. That's really a critical question that comes over the last two, three weeks, that our faith needs to be out there working on our behalf. We send it out to work like a servant, you see. And uh, we saw last week how the Gospel of Luke gives the account of the centurion, which threw a spotlight on his faith. And we considered how Jesus commended that centurion's faith because he understood how faith worked. You know, and here's, here's the key. My Bible says that my people perish through lack of knowledge. And you see, the centurion understood that faith was like a servant that you set tasks for as you release your faith. He understood that. And this should be a picture of our faith life, saying and praying the word of God. Um, sending it out to work on our behalf. That's what we're called to do. And look, there's scriptures throughout the Bible that actually help us to understand that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it works, you see. Over in um, Isaiah 55 and verse 11, it says, So shall be my word that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You know, even Jesus himself said, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And you know, the thing is, is the Lord, you know, invariably when the Lord speaks so often, he'll speak via the word, you know, in your life, in your spirit. Um, you'll hear him giving you the word, you know, because he wants you to do something with it. He wants you to put it into action. He wants you to speak it. He wants you to say it. He wants you to make an application of it in your life. You know, so uh, we should never be found speaking words of doubt and unbelief, but speaking words of God over every part of our life. That's what we should be found speaking. I'll just say this emphatically. Stop speaking the problem. Stop speaking it even in your mind. See, I, I know from my early Christian life, I, I knew that I had to stop speaking the problem. I knew that. And I stopped my mouth from saying it because I was good at saying it. I was very verbal about saying the problem, speaking the problem, saying what the problem was. But when I pulled back from that position and learned that I had to zip it up, the next thing was to stop having it in my mind. And that's where we renew our mind to the word of God. And we start to think like God thinks. We start having the mind of Christ. We start saying what he is saying. Amen. Start speaking the answer. The first assignment is alignment, where we start to align our lives with what God's word says, his promises to us. You know, Jesus tells Martha that being flustered, worried, and anxious is not a behavior that brings in the kingdom of heaven. You know, in, in, in Luke chapter 10, he asserts, you can read it for yourself for homework, in Luke chapter 10, he asserts that there's one thing that's needful. Tells Martha that. 
And he said this, and Mary has chosen that good thing and it will not be taken away from her. You see, you choose it for yourself. You choose the word and doing the word, hearing the word, doing the word, praying the word, saying the word. You choose that for yourself and God's not going to take that away from you. Because it's the one thing that's needful. Hearing the word of God. Why? So you can send it out to work. Send it out like a, like a, like a servant. And if you remember from last week, the friends of the centurion had come pleading with Jesus to come and heal the sick servant of the centurion. That's where the, the story kicks in. And, uh, and we know that they came and pleaded with Jesus and said, all right, I'll come. So up there in Luke chapter 7 and verse 6 to 8, it says, Then Jesus went with them, and when he, he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent more friends. This centurion had more friends uh, working around him and helping him to get this uh, sick servant. Friends are great, aren't they? I mean, it's good to have good friends that you can rely on. But this centurion had lots of them because he was a good guy. You know, he was a good bloke. And look what it says there. The centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. So in other words, he wasn't big noting himself, sending friends off to you know, be his messengers or anything. He's being humble. He is recognizing that Jesus was a greatness. And I'm not even worthy for you to come into my house. But say the word and my servant will be healed. Here's his revelation. Just say the word. Just speak the word. Just pray it. Just say it. For I am also, and get this, this is his revelation, for I am also a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. What's his revelation? Authority. Authority, but also how faith works. You send it off on tasks. Do this, do that. Pray it, say it, get the word out there. Stand on the promise of God and get it out there working on your behalf. What is your problem? Is my question to you today. And secondly, what promise from the word of God have you already taken and said, I'm going to send my faith out to work on my behalf? Because that was his revelation. It's a vital truth for us all. Faith is like sending a servant out to work on your behalf. We've got that God-given authority to release our faith and to go and work on our behalf. And we'll, we all do it all the same way, with words, with our praying and our saying. And he said, the centurion said, just say the word. He knew Jesus knew how to work the word. He had a revelation. And Luke 7 and verse 9 to 10, and it says that when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around. Of course, he had his disciples he had his you know his inner circle traveling with him and he said he said to the crowd that followed him I say to you I've not found such great faith not even in Israel and those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick wow you know the centurion received the great commendation from the Lord Jesus of having great faith because he'd explained to Jesus that he understood, he got it, that faith was something you release with your words. How's your releasing going lately? I just put it back on you, okay, this morning. 
Every now and then I've got to check up on myself too. Am I, am I speaking the problem or am I speaking the answer? Have I got a promise for the problem that I'm facing? And what is it that I'm saying about it? Am I just releasing that? Yeah, my Bible says that, you know, you can pray morning, evening and noon, you know, and we should. But not, Lord, please, please, can you do something? We've all prayed that way before. But more like, Lord, your word says, and we release it with a heartfelt confidence. Lord, your word says, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And I'm standing and believing on your word for my healing, and I thank you for it today. Lord, I, your word says, you know, and, and you can just keep going. You can just keep going through the promises. I have favour in the name of Jesus in this situation, in that job interview. I have favour, and I thank you, Lord, for it. You just keep speaking that word out and just keep setting that out. You're not asking anymore. You're just thanking him. We'll get to that a little more in this series about, you know, how thanksgiving is the highest expression of your faith. When you give thanks to God, it's because you believe you receive it. You believe you have that answer already and you're just giving him thanks. So you can, you know, you pray once, but you just keep, keep thanking the Lord evening, morning and noon. Keep thanking him for it. Just so you don't think that we're, this teaching, you know, that we're bringing this morning or what we've been sharing the last couple of weeks is just froth and bubble or maybe just mere enthusiasm. Uh, let's make sure that we can see that Jesus taught this elsewhere. This lifestyle, this understanding of how faith works. Look at Mark 11 and verse 12 and verse 14. Now the next day, now this is the day um, uh, Jesus is out ministering. Now the next day when they had come out of, from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if he could perhaps, uh, if he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. And in response, uh, for, sorry, for it was not the season for figs. And in response, verse 14, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples heard it. It was a good thing the greenies didn't hear it. Because <laughs> they probably would have, you know, been waving placards or something and found something to protest about. But Jesus has no axe. He doesn't ring bark the tree. He hasn't got a bottle of Roundup in the back pocket of his tunic but that tree has just had faith filled words spoken to it that's the difference faith filled words spoken to it and of course we'll see what happens in the next morning mark 11 verse 20 now in the morning as they passed by they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots and peter remembering said to him rabbi you know he's really master master the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. The fig tree responded to faith-filled words. You've got to understand, the fig tree responded to that authority. Faith-filled words. Faith-filled words are words that are sent from a believing heart. Remember, we always say that faith is in two places, in your heart and in your mouth. You get that. Understand, you get the two working together and things will change. Fig trees spoken to will die. At the roots. Faith that works is always in those two places, in the heart and in the mouth. So much of this series is about getting God's people into the lifestyle of releasing 
faith-filled words, saying and praying. Because it's not just praying, it's also saying. It's also declaring and decreeing. Mark 11, we go on, and Jesus teaches further on this. He says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. So they're sitting there marveling at this fig tree that's now dried up from the roots. And Jesus said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he, what? Says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, praying and saying. He just said saying, now he's saying praying. Therefore, I say to you, Jesus talking, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What a great teaching from Jesus. Jesus takes it up another level and explains that faith-filled words will work to even remove mountains, not just fig trees dying at the roots, but mountains. You know, as if, you know, uh, um, uh, that's not enough to, to be able to, you know, eradicate a fig tree, but to remove a mountain, that says that size is no problem. You know, it's not the size of the problem. The size of the problem is not the problem. Yeah. Come away with that thinking today. The size of the problem is not the problem. It might be impossible to you, but it's not impossible to God. That's the thing we need to walk away. The size of the problem is not the problem. The real problem is our lack of saying and praying. Our lack of actually getting up there and saying, you know, I'm going to do this. My goodness, I'm going to start living this way because Jesus taught it. I'm going to start putting this into practice. What am I saying? What am I rehearsing in my mind? What am I allowing out of my lips? Does it line up with the word of God? Does it line up with his promises? Because he only has good things for us, you see. Verse 22, that part there, verse 22 where it says, so Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. Rendered here as have faith in God does not quite capture um, the original Greek. One of the better Greek translators says it more like have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. What kind of faith does God have? God has the kind of faith that speaks. He said what? What did he say? Let there be light. See, as sons and daughters, we're called to live like our heavenly father. We're called to live this way. Have the God kind of faith. How does God create things? With the spoken word. We release our faith-filled words. And then, and again, you touched in on this again this morning, uh, uh, Jess, time lapses. How many of you know that sometimes there's a little period between when you pray and you have the answer? And the thing to do is to not let that time lapse cause you to give up on what you've said, what you're saying, what you're praying. Don't let time lapse stop you from continuing. In other words, be persistent. Be patient. You say, well, how do I do that? What do I do between when I've prayed and when I, I seem to have the manifestation? And here's the other question. How long will that take? Well, I'm sorry to say the Bible doesn't say how long. And I heard one preacher, I think it was um, Kenneth Hagin Sr., who said, uh, you know, you know, we don't know how long it will take, but if you're prepared to believe forever, it won't take that long. So, you know, be, that, be those ones that say, I'm going to believe forever. I'm going to believe what God's word says. 
You know, we all love an instantaneous result, but even Jesus' words took a full night to kill that fig tree. Think about that. Even Jesus, the Son of God, who was there at the beginning, even his words took a whole night for that tree to die. If we're honest, many Christians will pray and then negate their faith because of their lack of persistence. And they'll do it with words. Ah, this isn't working. I prayed and nothing happened. Who's been there? I prayed and waited for three weeks and nothing happened. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And, uh, and, and I only say that is to make us look at what the Bible says as being sure and steadfast and something that we can rely on and what our own experience is, which is usually we'll negate it with our words. We'll say something that this doesn't work. This didn't work for me. Hebrews 6 and verse 11 to 12, it says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Through faith and patience. And take note, we need to be comfortable with not knowing how long our saying and praying will take to work. We have to be comfortable with that. Let's get to the point where we just know that if we'll do what we're called to do, if we'll do our part, God will do his part. And I'm sure that Jesus was not up all night sneaking out and checking to see how that fig tree was going. We ought not to be like that either. You know, wondering, well, I wonder if that's happening. You know, sometimes our very thoughts will cause us to get to that place of unbelief, you know, get prayed for and you, you know, you still got a bit of pain. Just keep believing, keep thanking the Lord for your healing. Wake up the next morning and it's gone, whatever it is you've been praying for. We need to be the people that are called to be, you know, we're called to be that, that, that do our part, you know, saying in the praying part, regardless of how long it takes. You know, and, and I'm going to finish on this. I love the story of testimony of my Sunday school teacher. Her name was uh, Velma Russell. And I, I was christened actually in the Methodist church uh, in Morley. And I guess it must have been 1962 because I was born in October. So 1962, which makes me how old now? 60. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. But I guess I was Christian, but I remember growing up that in the little glass cabinet in our, in our kitchen, there was a little baptism uh, goblet. You know, I think that's what they handed out in those days, a little goblet to say that you were christened. And uh, usually it was just a sprinkling of the water over by the baptismal font. But there I was in the Methodist church and... And church attendance as a family, I meant going to Sunday school, and I did go to Sunday school um, until I was about 10 years old. And, and I think, um, to be honest with you, if you'd asked those around me or knew me, you would say I was a difficult kid uh, at Sunday school. A little bit silly, a little bit disruptive, you know, always fooling around with the other kids and that. But, but I mentioned that when my family decided that, uh, you know, they were not going to church anymore as a family. They weren't going to be regular church attenders. Um, I was allowed to keep going because I could ride my bike. And uh, my, my mother said, well, if you go to church, if you go, still go to church and go to Sunday school, you can ride your bike on the road. Because before that, I wasn't allowed to ride my bike on the road. My mother was quite protective about riding on the road. 
And uh, so that was my opportunity to ride my bike on the road. So I kept going just, you know, uh, as a 10 year old. And, um, and of course, because my mum let me ride on the road. So, you know, of course the novelty soon wore off and before I knew it, I'd stopped going to church. And it was only a couple of years later um, that my mother was diagnosed with bowel cancer. And, um, and, you know, and the fight for her life began really um, at that time. We didn't know how faith worked. We were not a family that was schooled in how faith worked. We, would, we knew some stories from the Bible. And you know, I guess, you know, my parents had listened to a few sermons from that church, you know, from that good little Methodist church. And uh, but we didn't know how faith worked. We hadn't heard a message like that, that you just heard this morning. And uh, we didn't know how to fight the fight of faith. You know, it was mostly medical treatments that were the battle for my mum's life. And, uh, and it's a sad story, but my mum lost that fight uh, with cancer uh, when I was about 13, uh, 13 years of age and just turned 13. And I think it was really about that time that anger came on my life. You know, anger started to kick in and, and I was described as being an angry young man. You know, it was really uh, how people saw me and how my friends spoke of me as just being a bit angry, you know. And of course, my dad was uh, given, a, at, when my mum did pass away, uh, he gave himself to alcoholism and just really gave himself to it, whereas he kept himself pretty well on the straight and narrow. While my mum was alive, she was, she was good at keeping him off the drink. And of course, he just gave himself to alcohol after that. And so those days went from bad to worse uh, in a lot of respects. But fast forward another dozen years, you know, I grew up and left home, was always looking out for my dad as well. But... I was born again at the age of 21, uh, again in a little church in Morley, uh, strangely enough, Pentecostal church. And, uh, and of course, uh, after a few years, I did get into a great church that taught on faith, taught these things that you're hearing this morning. And, uh, and I'm just standing there one day, you know, pre-service, waiting for the, the service to start. Couldn't wait. I was excited, you know, as you were in that church when, when the service is about to start, waiting for church to start. And, the, and an elderly lady walks up to me and, um, and stops and sort of does a double take and looks at me. And she goes, is that you, Peter? And I sort of looked. I said, yeah, yeah, Peter. And she goes, I'm Velma, Velma Russell, your Sunday school teacher. And, uh, and there she was, you know, and obviously a little bit older, as I was a little bit older. And, uh, and I said, yeah, and, you know, we started to chat. And she proceeded to explain to me that a short while after my mum died, she also was diagnosed with cancer. And, um, and it got also to the terminal stage where, where there was nothing more that the medical health could do. There was nothing more that interventions, the, you know, the, the, the treatments, etc. And, uh, and of course, uh, her husband had been told, the, the doctor called her husband in and said, look, you're going to have to take Velma home now. Uh, uh, she can be with you in her last days or weeks maybe, but last days. She can be with you and you can care for her in there and you, you need to get ready to, to continue bringing up your family uh, solo because Velma's not going to live. Um, we'll, we'll send her home, just we'll keep her comfortable. But you know, and so there was this really sort of sad story and she said, um, they said it was the only thing she could do was just go home. But you know, there was something more she could do. There was something else that she could do. And a group of praying ladies heard about her 
They weren't from that church. And they reached out to her and said, could we come and pray with you? They were praying ladies. They were believing ladies. And they came and just shared with her the, the, the gospel. And the truth that you could speak the word and the word will make a difference. Because she had nothing else to do, no more pills to take, she just did nothing. She knew nothing else to do but to just start reading her Bible. And she did like she never had before. She started to read the promises. She started to read promises about healing. So a couple of weeks turned into a month. And then a month turned into a couple of months. She had to go back for a checkup, and of course the doctor would say, look, we don't understand, but it's... <laughs> you seem to be going into recession, you know. Remission. Thank you. You seem to be going into remission. And um, another couple of months go by, and they go, they go and, uh, and, and get her, uh, and bring her back in for another, and say, look, we, we don't quite understand it, but you, 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 you are... Um, that cancer's going out of your body. We don't understand it. It's a beautiful story, beautiful story. And she said just progressively, the cancer left her body. And she was just, because she said there was nothing else she could do but just speak the word. Just speak the word over her life and that, you know, the promise of God. You know, you might be here this morning and you might think, I've got to talk to someone about my problem. <laughs> and... and what I'm sort of saying is, is you don't necessarily need to talk about your problem. You need to find what the Word of God says about your problem and speak and say that and, and just keep speaking that and saying that and thanking the Lord for the fulfillment of that in your life. And when you do, watch what will happen. Sorry for getting a little bit emotional, but uh, she was a sweet lady. And she put up with me in, you know, in, in kindergarten, you know, in children's church, and I thought, I thought that was really precious of her. And what was really precious is I said to her, I said, you know what, I never really understood my mum's faith. I said, I know she went to church and of course she took the whole family to church. I, I never really understood, you know, where she was with her faith. And I said, to this day, I don't know. And she said, oh no, Peter, your mother had a saving faith. She knew the Lord. She was a praying woman, you know, and, and she had faith in her heart. She believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she just let me know that my mum was all right. It was beautiful. Beautiful thing. But I want to encourage you this morning, you know, if you're um, uh, thinking that, you know, you need a counsellor or you need someone that will speak into your life and help you through all of your problems. Look, they, it, they have a place. But our first priority, you know, our first assignment is alignment. You know, it's coming into alignment with what God's word says. You know, every adversity, everything that we could face, every difficulty and problem has a promise that will cover it. And God wants us to speak that word over our lives and see the fulfillment and see it and thank him for it until you do see it. We'll continue on with this series, but I wanted just to put that out to you this morning in a way that you could understand. Faith is like a servant that we send out, you know. Uh, we can say the word of God and speak the word of God into natural circumstances and see them turn around. And we're all called to it. It's not just what the leaders do or the pastors do or the people out the front do when they pray for you. You're called to do it yourself, you know. So let's, um, let's, let's pray today. I'm really keen to pray because, I mean, whenever you speak, whenever you, whenever you teach on faith,
there was always an opportunity for somebody who's going, I just need to have someone lay hands on me right now because I've got faith stirring in my heart. And I want to uh, invite the worship team to come on up, just play maybe something quietly. Don't do a song, just play something quietly. And uh, I'm just going to invite uh, anyone that would like to ha um, uh, have prayer to come up to this side over, over here. We are going to dismiss, but I also just want to make a, 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 an invitation for anyone that's here this morning. If you're here this morning and you know that you haven't yet got a close relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you that there's a relationship that you can come into, that it starts with a prayer. We've been talking a lot about praying. As we call it the prayer of salvation, where we actually invite Jesus to come into our heart, to make him Lord, you know, in our life. And I want to encourage you to pray that prayer. And I'd love to have that opportunity to pray with you. Why don't we all stand to our feet and we're just going to... Um, but if that is you and you'd like to come down, please come down and let me know. I want to pray that prayer, that prayer of salvation. And um, we're going to dismiss and I'm just going to pray uh, a blessing over us all today as we've sat under the word, heard what um, you know, God's really uh, dealing with our hearts about you know, this morning is faith and, and knowing what faith is. So Father, we again thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for its entrance into our life, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that um, the entrance of your word, Lord God, gives us light. We thank you, Father, that we can walk in it, Lord. It's like a, a lamp unto our feet, a guide unto our path, Father. So I thank you, Lord, as your, as your word comes across uh, today, Father God, that there are hearts that have received it. Lord, making a decision today, Father God, not just to be hearers, but to be doers. But there'll be those ones who morning, evening and noon will be out thanking you, Lord, for your promises being fulfilled in their life. Thank you, Lord, for these, these ones, Father God, that do your word. And ask your blessing upon them, Father. Lord, that your presence, Father, would be continually known uh, in our lives today, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.